this week was i would say a little bit uh, you know uh, not so newsworthy but there were a few things that happened yesterday as well uh, that kind of peaked the news cycle um, so we'll be covering the ongoing startup india innovation week uh, the continuing omicron spike across the country uh, the uk india free trade agreements um, aam aadmi party's unique modus operandi to you know choose the punjab chief minister and of course uh, the big news of uh, you know uh, virat kohli stepping down as the test captain uh, of india right so uh, as usual let's start with a couple of episodes that we put out uh, last week uh, we had the first of the velina stock uh, episodes for this year uh, abhishek what do you think about this yeah interesting episode uh, obviously uh, the speaker here samuel ramani is an expert on uh, russia uh, he's from the oxford university and he gave a very detailed and interesting take on uh, the geopolitics surrounding russia especially uh, with regards to uh, ukraine and kazakhstan so uh, yeah interesting episode and uh, uh, viewers interested in that subject should definitely check that out yeah for sure and uh, also we we finally put out the 21 moments from 2021 episode and uh, this had moments from 86 episodes that we published uh, last year uh, and featured the likes of anand rangnathan um, mr vijay gokhale ruchir sharma and so on uh, all of the moments that you loved and uh, do check it out it's a nice whirlwind tour of everything that happened last year and uh, of course i mean if we missed any of your episodes let us know uh, and you know we could uh, we could probably highlight that as well All right, moving on to the first piece of news. As part of the ongoing Startup India Innovation Week, Prime Minister Modi interacted with over 150 startups last week. Uh, he stated that January 16th will be celebrated as National Startup Day from this year forth. So, National Startup Day is today. Happy National Startup Day to everyone! During his speech, he also congratulated all the startups in the country and asked entrepreneurs to make their dreams global and focused on innovating for India. Uh, other initiatives taken by the government for startups include the flagship startup india initiative uh, that was first uh, touted in uh, january 2016 startups can avail several benefits under the scheme such as self certification tax exe- tax exemption uh, patent application and more so i mean i've i've worked in startups for the last 14 years and i can tell you that i think in all of these years i have never heard the word startups being used as many times as the last you know two or three years right um, startups are today mainstream we're seeing uh, the success of uh, shark tank on sony as well is doing really really well cutting across demographics um aside from the general optimism that uh, people seem to have it's also good to see uh, policy measures as well because i really feel that given the size and complexity of india i think uh, last mile innovation in india is going to be solved by startups right uh, and it's good to see government institutions such as drdo and so on working with these startups as well in fact recently i think there was uh, an indian space association that was inaugurated by the prime minister as well which included uh, mapma india uh, you know just looking back over the last couple of months there's been a lot of activity i mean in fact i think uh, recently prime minister modi met, met um, about 14 or 15 venture capitalists as well uh, recently right um, and uh, i think you know from a startup perspective the number one uh, um, ask has been you know ease of doing business right which is uh, simplify opening and closing companies and all of the related regulation uh, simplify uh, you know attracting capital uh, and also investing capital as well right maybe reducing or eliminating capital gains tax or other related regulations 
and maybe you know uh, provide market access and democratize innovation to uh, this bunch of uh, people who are innovating right um, in fact i think uh, uh, mr piyush goel mentioned that uh, we should aim to create 75 unicorns this year right and uh, try to take india to the top 25 in the global innovation index yeah so all in all very very positive very optimistic news prasanna what do you think no uh, as you said you know i think uh, uh, see personally i think like this happened around uh, 2014 to 15 i would think where in a certain kind of way digital india and startup india converged of course lot of credit for the government except for probably the angel tax uh, fiasco which kind of you know affected a lot of indian startups and again to be fair to this government that was a, a legacy that was uh, inherited from the previous regime and it had to be eventually uh, fixed you know i mean uh, except that i really think that uh, they have not done any uh, uh, a single misstep in terms of uh, uh, you know which represented any such step back to the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the country so to uh, that much credit and as you mentioned uh, making startup as a part of the political lexicon the, uh, i mean i think that's that's uh, reflects a fundamental uh, change and shift in the governance and uh, uh, pretty phenomenal you know it kind of represents a mind shift uh, uh, change i would see like uh, so many uh, young people um, you know who would have otherwise probably just aspired to uh, escape the country and probably go abroad you know so many of them have uh, chosen to stay back and create uh, startups which are a lot of them are solving real complex uh, problems as well i mean uh, look at the flip side and criticize that you know many of these startups follow or they are just replicating models uh, which are very uh, successful uh, elsewhere and then it's basically you just kind of uh, bring it to the indian context and do but i think that's a very unfair criticism I, the, uh, of course i mean it's true that you know a lot of uh startups do that as well but i think the depth of the indian startup uh, ecosystem is quite uh, phenomenal uh, you know like i i i remember the same kind of criticism leveled against the indian it uh, software uh, services you know some terms like see the one aspect in indian media and you know pop in the in the academia and the commentary is that the lack of understanding of uh, the technology space i think the newsrooms and the editorial teams across the country you know the the stunning lack of uh, uh technology and insight leads them to make all kinds of uh, disparaging uh, remarks on the uh, you know on earlier on the software services now on the startup ecosystem uh, certainly uh, uh, i think once you kind of have that critical mass these things happen like once you uh, gather that uh, initial momentum right actually that is becomes almost like self sustaining i mean you could now argue that uh, more needs to be done on deep tech on on say uh, some of the cutting edge of uh, tech world where you know india is still uh, uh, i mean india is not there completely and even if you look at uh, what china has essentially done you know uh, it's kind of focusing its industrial policy more on uh, say uh, deep tech semiconductors uh, uh, data science and all that and almost waging a war against the typical uh, startups uh, especially operating in the b2c and the commercial space you know even fintech doesn't uh, seem to be a uh, very uh, appetizing for the uh, communists in china so you know they almost kind of redirecting 
uh, efforts um, towards that. So I, I don't think so in India, you need that level of um, state directed industrial policy or state directed yeah. uh, thing uh, to uh, move towards that. I think there will be an organic and natural progress towards yeah. that once we did that. So overall, you know, uh, uh, it's been a great, uh, I think the Prime Minister wants to call it the decade. And I, I truly believe that, you know, the next uh, 10 years uh, uh, will be, uh, you know, pretty phenomenal. Uh, I think the best and the brightest are chasing great ideas and uh, uh, cities like Bangalore have the enabling ecosystem of uh, people willing to fund and uh, people willing to mentor and all that. And personally, as a uh bangalore uh, bangalorean you know i'm just too excited with the kind of things that's happening out of my city actually so very optimistic on this question no absolutely and uh you know it's 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 good that you brought up the it sector right because for the last 20 years we've heard that you know it sector will taper out and automation and ai and whatever else will kill uh it sector but we've seen the phenomenal rise of the it sector right i mean we saw results last week everything is overwhelmingly positive um, and we I actually, one interesting uh, thing that I just picked up, uh, I think it was mentioned by uh, one investor and also tweeted uh, just before you get in others. It's like, I think like our software services exports are more than the money that uh, Saudi Arabia makes yeah. out of exporting oil, you know, that's where we are and uh, very, uh, it's an inflection point and uh, the kind of uh, that the Indian IT services companies, which i you know, being a part of for some time, you know, it's pretty uh, phenomenal. Of course, you know, like you do an entire stack of work. It's not that everything has to be done by everything has to be cutting edge, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's about the revenue mix and the way in which it is structured. So, yeah, yeah so. of course, I mean, the, the criticism uh, was that, you know, why, why don't we, why don't we build another five or 10 Googles rather than building a, an Infosys or a TCS or whatever. But yeah, I mean, uh, well, you can never satisfy some folks, I suppose, but, uh, two things that I hope I would hope for uh, in the next five to 10 years, uh, that can happen is, um, one is the platform level innovation, right? We've seen what UPI has enabled, right? If we can do something similar on the health side of things, for example, right? I think with the national health stack coming in, I think that is a move in that direction. Yep. Uh, these kind of platform level innovations will really help, uh, uh, you know, accelerate growth. And the second is, uh, you know, I, I think I read an article in the Atlantic or the New York Times recently about a reverse brain drain, right? Or, or at least the starting of a reverse brain drain. I think it was the drain. information. Correct. The information. Yeah. 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 Which is that you know, have a bunch of the highly qualified people with 15 years experience, right? I mean, who are in the, in the United States, I mean, might actually come back, you know, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully if I think if middle-class uh, living standards improve uh, at the same rate as it has improved, I mean, I think it will be a viable choice, really. Correct. Yeah. So, all right, moving on. Omicron cases continue to spike as, uh, uh, you know, uh, increased, uh, as the case numbers increase all over India. Uh, India re reported 2,68,000 fresh COVID-19 cases on Friday. Kerala saw a big surge in the case numbers with actual caseload standing at 90,659 yesterday. We're also seeing the government gearing up for the third wave of the pandemic. The election commission has extended bans on rallies until Jan 22nd and has allowed indoor meetings with 300 persons. Uh, meanwhile, the budget session of the parliament is set to convene at the end of this month with strict social distancing and other protocols in place. Uh, Abhishek, I think recently we saw that Professor uh, Manindra Agarwal, who we hosted earlier on the podcast, 
had said something like by mid march the third wave of uh, covid-19 will likely be over and we're we'll we'll also peak by around uh, around this time right mid january is what you had predicted so what do you think yeah so various people have given various estimates like you said we are around 2.6 2.7 lakh cases a day right now and according to some estimates that might go up to say 7 8 lakhs a day uh, before it starts coming down so uh, yeah i think this is kind of uh, following the global trend in terms of the kind of case numbers that people are seeing according to many people right now watching the case numbers is no longer that useful right because what is important now in a post vaccinated scenario is the actual stress on the hospitalization and severity of cases and that is obviously going to differ from city to city in terms of a how their own infrastructure is and b how the virus behaves in that lo- location right so right now i think the case numbers are high but it's probably not as worrying as it was in the second wave in terms of the overall situation and uh, yeah i think the good news is that vaccinations still are going on people are still taking either their first second or their third uh, whatever precautionary doses doses i think 156 crore was the latest cumulative number we had after one it's year also, of, it's uh, also the one year anniversary yeah, of one the year anniversary right? of the uh, starting of vaccination uh, around i think 90 crores is the number of folks who have actually taken at least one dose which is phenomenal so uh, yeah i think based on all uh, the uh, you know knowledge that we have in terms of you know people having already got vaccinated or infected in the past plus what looks like a less uh, probably a less virulent strain that is more active right now uh, things should be uh, better uh, managed uh, this time than wave 2 Uh, but let's hope that's how it happens and earlier this week the uk government launched free trade negotiations with india uh, this has been described as a golden opportunity to put british businesses at the front of the queue of the indian economy british prime minister boris johnson said an fta would take the country's historic partnership with india to the next level some sectors that will benefit include scotch whisky financial services and cutting edge renewable technology uh, and india uk fta is built in the uk as creating huge benefits for both countries with the potential to boost bilateral trade by about 28 billion pounds a year nirav uh, we've been touching upon this issue for a while right i mean what do you think so this is uh, probably first in the series of ftas which india is working on so one is obviously uk after brexit uh, they've made a uh stance they've taken a stance that they're going to reach out to the countries in the commonwealth india being the biggest by population and by gdp and have uh, ftas with them in this specific case there is going to be a harvest agreement earlier so which is like a, a short term uh, on all the ones uh, all the points that both parties are agreeing on very quickly and it kick starts the process and a full fledged fta uh, will probably get done by end of the year so i think uh, this is a very big positive sign that due to the harvest agreement uh, you will see some benefits coming very quickly to both parties uh, second thing is as you mentioned right uh, india is actually probably one of the biggest consumers of scotch whisky so good for fans of that uh, probably lower duties but uh, uk is like a very big financial services exporter 
and there's a lot of expertise there are a lot of indians who are working in the uk so this will help on investing uh, investments as well as services uh, like indian it companies providing services to uh, uh, companies based in the uk uh, there could be data uh, rules on data and like holding data for companies within india etc so which is quite a positive thing i think see this is first in the series if this goes well uh there is one in the pipeline with australia as well probably after the australian elections in may uh there is a full scale uh treaty also with uh, uh eu and one thing i want to point out like a lot of countries keep a lot of commentators keep pointing out oh bangladesh is doing so well bangladesh is doing so well they are exporting low end stuff and they have an fta with vietnam uh sorry uh with eu so what this will enable is that india has been very focused on one is like restricting agricultural imports and wanting more visas for indians to go and work there if we let go these two points we can open up a lot of uh, things where our uh, huge labor supply can be used to sell manufactured goods to the eu and uh, probably these early ftas give a template so i think it opens up a very big market for us as well and uh, also eu seeing that if uk has an fta with india might take a few steps as well right so uh, all in all a very positive thing uh, this makes india to try and get a huge chunk of global trade india has been kind of like india was totally closed off pre 91 and it kind of opened up in baby steps too slow personally for my liking and at the same time due to covid uh, i've said it almost every week uh the world needs a china plus one strategy uh you have all your supply chains in one big country and uh this has geopolitical risks this has monopolization risks and all companies want to build a supply chain with a lot of redundancy so you focus on resilience instead of just purely lowest cost and there's a great opportunity for india to provide that kind of an alternative to china and as china gets more a little bit more inward looking india can be more outward looking and uh, try and establish this we see more investments a lot of our startups if investments into startups by british nationals uh, something on that is also uh, eased out i think th- there is like tremendous opportunity so a very positive thing all in all a uh, more important question what do you think about boris Don- boris johnson's dance video <laughs> <laughs> so i think boris johnson uh, a very polarizing guy but he has as a very apt politician he has the ability to be in news all the time right so exactly it's great i think uh, the country over there is divided for boris johnson held a party during covid <laughs> times etc but yeah. like i don't want to go into the politics of it uh, he's a skillful politician he's a survivor so yeah so i'll just add <laughs> a little bit here be- on the uh, uk angle so so boris basically represents uh the brexit side of the political divide right and one of the big points that on which they have sold brexit is that you know by coming out of the eu they would be able to do lot more trade globally mm. and so you know there is uh, so there will be that angle from the uk side so they have recently concluded a couple of deals uh, with new zealand and australia and for them india is also a big priority so probably their uh, eagerness to get an fta done with india should help us in in the negotiations because 
for them it's all it's like a big priority in politically as well yeah but just to add on abhishek but i think i think you know uh, uh, while while he he kind of you know you could credit him for uh, being the political face of the brexit movement or at least he uh leveraged it successfully to uh, become the prime minister but i think the uh, road map or the uh, domestic agenda that the Bre- brexiters have how does it uh, fit well so, with the free trade so i think where where there is a issue will be in terms of as neera was saying india wanting um, more people right. to be right. so that's where there's an obvious disconnect between yeah. the two no, sides because because i think i think if you really look at i mean uh, i think it's been a very distracted uh, prime ministership of course with all these party fiascos and all but i think the one big idea uh, i mean i don't think so uh, the conservative government has presented any specifics is what they talk about leveling up right like basically if you look at britain uh, or uh, the main island i think the southern side or london the greater london is where it is the economic engine with huge financial services and all right. that but once you move out i think it's a large you can call i mean i would not call it an economic wasteland but i think with very uh, suboptimal uh, uh, capability to generate jobs and all that so one of the agenda that uh, conservatives are pushing up is to have a kind of you know equitable uh, regional development which means at least uh, that has to be uh, achieved would mean like more people living in small towns in the north side of the country getting uh, or aspiring for these kind of jobs where uh, you know where they might so i i i'm not very sure like i agree with you that you know uh, 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 i think the discussions on any free trade agreement i think one of the significant departures would essentially be around permitting migrants or uh, immigrant co- in uh, certain services which i think they would like to protect as part of this leveling yeah, up agenda no, no, absolutely i think i think see post covid and the success of work from home uh it's more uh, all about where your data is stored and who's using your data so if you have like a services agreement probably you may not require uh, to send indian people to work there Correct. but you could indian people could do the jobs from india for uh, uk companies right Correct. i think this is the part which has been like a key stumbling block even with uh, fta negotiations with eu mm-hmm. i totally agree uh, also uh, with the trend of like more remote work uh, there is a trend of even because london becomes too expensive uh, people going and moving to their uh, smaller city smaller towns have a bigger house have a home office and uh, i think that trend is also picking up in like various ways right so i think uh, you will see a bit of that and uh, this fta basically because of uk's uh, kind of compulsion and what they've sold the whole brexit idea on uh, they will be eager negotiators right so that it's a positive and for india it's a positive that once you have this template uh, india has ftas uh, with asean we have with korea we have with japan so your Jap- japanese and korean company had set up manufacturing plants in india maybe india also wanted to renegotiate those ones to make it a little more equitable so all of these things put together so what has happened is india is looking forward to engage more with the world on trade boost our exports and uh, create more jobs domestically because i think that no, I, i agree i think i, I think there is more convergence or probably you know i think we can find a more common ground with say a uk uh, 
because if you really uh, dispassionately look at what uh, the FDA regimes that we have with Korea and even to some extent Japan, uh, I would I would argue. I mean, I'm not like very unfettered uh, free trade guy. I would argue that like say the uh, deindustrialization or premature deindustrialization of India. You can link it actually. At least, I mean, I, I in Korea is like such a such a deep uh, industrial power that a lot of people don't recognize that. You know, like uh, we if we sign on dotted lines of the country like Korea, a lot of uh, uh, industrial capacity that India should be ideally having. You know, I mean, of course, we can't have everything uh, here. Uh, that's not how the trading works actually. But even a lot of. Uh, essential things, at least what the pandemic has shown in terms of building some resilient uh, supply chain within the borders, you know, I think like uh, UK is a much, much better case for us to uh, jump yeah, than, than the East East Asian uh, countries, right, actually. All right. Uh, moving on, closer home, uh, Ahmadmi Party announced that the general public can choose the AAP-CM candidates in Punjab by themselves, right? Uh, so Arvind Kejriwal, the AAP uh, leader, said that the public can either call in or use WhatsApp to choose a candidate. He also indicated that his own preference for the post was the state president, state unit president, uh, Mr. Bhagwant Man. Prasanna, this is a unique opportunity for people to vote in, I mean, to call in and uh, choose their own uh, CM candidate, right? What do you make of this? I don't know. I think I think it kind of represents a dilemma for uh, Kejriwal. Uh, uh, there are some people who argue that he himself aspires to, uh, uh, you know, uh, shift to Punjab as a, a chief minister. You know, he that way uh, he's kind of a, a freelance politician in the sense that you know he he I think he's basically from Haryana. Uh, I mean, his agitational politics was rooted in um, uh, Delhi largely, and then you know, uh, uh, Punjab is one very very prospective state for them. And uh, uh, Man, I think, is popular in uh, the Sangroor and some parts of Punjab. And he's been the, I think he's won twice, right? Uh, both uh, in 2014 as well as uh, repeat victory in 2019. You know, of course, um, uh, there are some concerns about his suitability for the job for, you know, you know the uh, reasons are pretty well known, actually. But I think he's a... Uh, he brings a certain uh, electoral uh, uh, gravitas to uh, what do you call uh, the AAP in Punjab and uh, probably last time I think they missed the trick by not front-ending a CM candidate and this time when you know the opinion polls seem to suggest that there is a certain uh, momentum on with AAP maybe uh, Kejriwal might take the risk of uh, probably anointing them as the CM candidate. So it should be interesting, but uh, full credit to Kejriwal for all these uh, uh, political uh, pyrotechnics and, uh, you know, making things very interesting, right? Like, uh, so you, you can't uh, at least uh, deny him credit for being uh, uh, yeah, showmanship in politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on to big news. India lost yet another series uh, away from home, this time against South Africa. Uh, but also uh, Virat Kohli, the captain, stepped down um, as the test captain yesterday. Uh, besides the batsman's failures, uh, Kohli listed inconsistency, lack of application, lapse in concentration, and their inability to seize the crunch moments as reasons for the loss. South Africa won the series 2-1 after India won the first test. 
also yesterday virat kohli announced on social media that he will be stepping down as the test captain guys uh, this is just too much drama for a week right and uh, what do you think abhishek end of an era yeah obviously uh, very big news uh, in terms of kohli uh, stepping down as i was saying before our meeting started that uh, this news has now overtaken the uh, on field a defeat related news and analysis right because now the south africa series is only like a small part of the overall cricketing news that is happening so so just to quickly talk about the match uh, it kind of resembled exactly what happened in the second test match uh, we batted first didn't really put up a good score uh, in the first innings managed to contain south africa uh, to a very similar score and then once again the batting let us down in the second innings right trishab pant being the only exception he scored a brilliant 100 i think he'll definitely go down as one of the best innings outside asia by a indian middle order batsman but uh, uh, sadly no one really supported him much in that innings and uh, in the fourth inning south africa chased it pretty comfortably so yeah pretty disappointing i think india paid the price for a non performing middle order uh, and it's now very well documented that for two to three years uh, you know rahane pujara and kohli all have been underperforming significantly to their uh, you know usual standards and uh, probably a bit too much uh loyalty shown to the old guard i think it's a classic problem faced by successful sports teams in, in terms of how to do the transition right and it is very difficult right because you have these players who have performed well for you in the past and won you matches but the question becomes when is the right time for them to move on it's been i've seen that uh, you know Uh, i'll i'll give an example of the spanish football team right they won the euros twice and the world cup once with the yeah. same team but they kept playing the same players who who had become aged and then they had a really bad run uh, when they did not do the transition properly so that's something that is happening with the indian uh, batting actually right now uh, and a- coming to kohli i think as you said it's the end of an era uh, he'll he's going down as india's most successful test captain for sure uh, odi also his record is pretty good uh, outside the odis and t20s his record is pretty good but uh, india did not win uh, the icc tournaments under his captaincy so that remains a bit of a miss for him uh, yeah i think a lot of talk around what could have led to his uh quitting i guess uh, some of it is down to his own batting form not being very good some of it is probably down to him not really uh clicking well with the current bcci leadership of maybe ganguly and jayesha etc so both are possible in terms of uh and in general i suppose he's not feeling the love as he used to do from the general public these days uh, he, he can get into those reasons but yeah i suppose it's probably uh, 
a good time for him to get a break and get back to what he does best that is scoring runs i think that remains uh, the biggest priority right because for india to do well in the next year's world cup for example they will need kohli to score significantly right so and one day cricket is a, after all his best format there is no one as good as him when it comes to odi cricket especially batting second right and with the world cup in india it's a good chance for the indian team to win that again and uh, kohli should get back to some good form by then hopefully yeah it's a, it's a very tricky problem right this indian middle order especially because you have great guys but with very poor form and so uh, we, we been... su- suffered the same thing in the last era as well right lakshman yeah, yeah. dravid tendulkar's final few tests were not really great right the last 10 15 matches unfortunately for us this so two things right so we knew that they were coming to an end because they were you know past 35 37 yeah. kind of these guys have suffered the form a bit early in their early 30s and that's kind of made the situation even more tricky because you don't know if it's a, just a temporary drop in form or these guys have really you know long term and not going to get back to their old yeah. standards uh, avishek also i think uh, tad unfair to say maybe with the exception of kohli i think the others in the middle order i think it's tad unfair uh, to compare them with uh, say lakshman dravid and lakshman dravid sachin or uh, yeah you could say they were maybe slightly uh, lesser in in their uh, you know game but i mean pujara before his bad run started was averaging nearly 50 which is phenomenal he's going to end up with an average of 44 which doesn't look so great right dahane <laughs> before his bad form started was averaging around 44 45 he's going to end with 39 so the fact that you know this five run erosion has happened means that you know we've probably given them way too many games in their bad form and yeah. in some ways you could say a break might have been good for them as well if they could have gone back played domestic a bit more and regained their touch rather than simply you know in this international test cricket stage where it's very hard the highest uh, you know level of yeah. the game and also given that we have the bench strength as well right yeah, exactly. i'm not very sure as far as the test uh, cricketing talent goes so we have the bench strength if you have someone averaging uh, between 25 or 22 to 25 for two years probably it's sometimes it's uh, a good option to like try out the bench strength in rotation correct and maybe you figure out somebody who, who you give a long rope and like you know and i think like it's a nice see whichever way i think transitions are meant to happen so uh we've had like a whole set where we uh, visited uh, new zealand uh england australia and south africa away uh and south africa actually twice in the last four years so uh, now we've got a few series upcoming series at home so we've got uh, the next immediate one is the sri lanka test series at home so it's a easier transition it's a nicer like uh, more familiar con- conditions uh unfortunately like a slightly weaker opponent sri lanka is not as great as it used to be so it allows like a smoother uh path for like a maybe a newer team newer captain build some confidence and like go ahead we also had transition from like ravi shastri as coach 
so i think it's it's a transition which is happening some of it is forced another stat highlight i was discussing with another friend on this uh, series was india had more five wicket hauls and the best bowling performance uh, in the team uh, amongst the two teams so first test was shami second was uh, shardul thakur third test bumrah all got five fours uh, india had uh, two people who scored a century so rahul in the first test pant in the last test and south africa had none and despite the better individual performances i think the indian team did worse off right this is a very rare situation we used to have those batting sometimes we used to have with like sachin but with bowling as well this is a very rare thing so it tells you that there are like some weak spots in the team maybe either one way or another the team strategy has to click a bit better probably the bowling strategy was going all out for wickets which kind of gave more runs maybe that something has to be thought over again maybe it's about the fitness for like with a very short turn around when batting not performing bowlers have to come again and like bowl flat out for the second time so that's one thing and another as a cricket fan it's very heartening south africa has been in a lot of turmoil there's been the whole coal pack issue there has been a lot of internal politics within the board uh, i am particularly happy uh, with development of keegan peterson so you have a player of color where some people are saying oh he selected because uh, he's colored and he's not actually white but he's performed he's been the best batsman as player of the series uh, you have a very nice young fast bowler marco jansen uh, him going head to head against bumrah both bowling bouncers at each other uh, that is also quite a nice thing uh, so it's a good thing we need for the game of cricket we need more competitive nations it's a sad thing that india didn't win this time but uh, hopefully this is like a transition and uh, india maybe manages the transition well now yeah i mean see i think uh, specifically coming to kohli right i think uh especially if you compare to the previous generation of greats the way they sunset or forget like maybe they had a extended uh, bad run at the end of the career but i think like they never uh, see for the kohli i think the public spectacle of uh i mean this see like say a sachin or a dravid uh, going through a patch of bad form right i think it's it's always the bat uh, that did the talking so you know the public perception was always that uh, uh, you know uh, basically they will focus on their cricket and come back and uh, i mean as someone who's personally uh, followed sachin's uh, career i think like uh, at the peak of his batting prowess right i don't think so he ever had a, a two year kind of a lull period right maybe abhishek and uh, uh, correct right you know even when with uh, the kind of injury that he had and limited mobility that he had when when we went to the australian tour in 2003 uh he he kind of he could score a double century by cutting down on so many other things you know i mean i think the so, so like here just to compare sachin tendulkar we rarely had a series where in a single series he's not scored 100 correct so was comparing all the south africa series from 92 onwards oh yeah uh, only one series is where he didn't score 100 was i think 2006-7 and uh, in 2000 that was a very low scoring yeah. kind of a series right yes actually. yes all south africa series have been low scoring yeah. dominated by their fast bowlers and uh, we've had uh, only time when we've done like a 1-1 draw was where sachin's batting was like phenomenal in 2010 so i, I think he's got two since back to back centuries back to back century absolutely so basically uh this is where you see the difference uh between between like good players and great players it's Definitely. not how good they are at their best but even in their downtime 
they are good enough or like really good so i think yes but kudos see i think kudos to kohli uh, he yeah, stepped down from t20 captaincy then was removed from odi captaincy so now he's like clearing his mind it's a nice transition hopefully the team puts in uh, the team over individuals correct right? and uh, i think it worked well right. for sachin right like sachin was able to uh, uh, i mean i mean of course i don't, i don't think so all the spectacle was there but he kind of silently uh, uh gave up captaincy and then he had one huge purple patch which almost went for four five years after he gave up the uh, captaincy right so for i think you know kohli is also uh, quite a classic cricketer i hope that you know he has a resurgence of form and he can focus on his uh, uh, batting and uh, you know though though i think i think though i think his decline in the form is uh maybe uh, extended run of bad luck but also with i think this entire uh, performative uh, era that we live in where you know a lot of things are driven by uh, uh pr and marketing and all that you know much more than uh, at least two decades back i i really hope that you know whatever demons in his mind conquers and we we see him finishing on a high he, he must be what 50 plus average in test too right at this point yeah, yeah. Not, not uh, over 50 No, just about 50 oh, 50.4 yeah yeah so yeah i mean i guess all of the off field theatrics uh, just distract us from at the core what is a really really good batsman right i mean 50 plus average he will probably beat uh, sachin's 100 100s right uh, in his career uh, and also the most successful test captain as well but i don't know from i was thinking that it would be pretty uh, uh, effortless uh, uh, in doing that but i think that kind of uh, sharp it will be challenging the last yeah. two years i think yeah. this kind of underscores uh, in uh, the greatness of uh, sachin achi yeah. actually he's at you know, 70 right now he's at uh, 70 right now so yeah i mean it's it's not as easy as as it seemed see, earlier think, but for uh, he's 70 for 3 uh, years now right so in 3 years back i think people would have said it's inevitable now it's unlikely abhishek and also as you made your point that i think his favorite format is odi right which is also you can argue that it's it's on the decline in terms of uh, uh, you know the uh, scheduling difference right like you have i think there's a huge uh, resurgence of interest in test cricket and of course t20 is there uh, odi seems to have lost so a bit in this when i say favorite i mean that's where he's his record he is the best he's best yeah i mean in the sense yeah, yeah that's that's what i mean 59 is an amazing average correct. in odis yeah correct correct i i i also believe i think it works 50 uh, 50 overs format works very well for him i think like t20 uh, is probably is weakest relative yeah. terms i'm just saying and uh, then test cricket and then odi i think that's how his even his career has generally been i guess all right moving on uh, so next week we're going to put out a couple of uh, uh, podcasts uh, one on the goa elections and uh, it will be a comprehensive analysis uh, with nimish joshi and of course our resident political expert uh, rohit jaraman and uh, we also recorded a very interesting podcast on semiconductors now it has been in the news for a while now because of the shortage and uh, you know uh, various geopolitical components attached to that also uh, so we spoke to gaurav goel who is uh, you know who, who has worked in multiple companies like intel amd and also arun mampali uh, who is a regular contributor to swaraj actually so 
both of them spoke about the various angles uh, to this uh, you know issue and uh, again both of these really really good episodes uh, do check them out all right uh, so that's a wrap from us uh, here at the weekly uh, again thank you so much for joining us everyone and from nirav abhishek and uh, prasanna and myself uh, do stay safe take care and uh, see you next week thank you